steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Who in the blue hell are you? <laughs> You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. say silent disrespect that uh, the team got, the staff got, the media from this area got was uh, clearly not the case after the fact. I'll say that. And uh, everything that happened to Vanderbilt was probably deserved. And it was great to see ETSU do what I think so many people for so long had wanted to see. Number one, competitive, right? I think you get in those games and I think some fans are realistic. Some are fans and fans, and, you know, you should beat the, you know, Alabama or whoever you play because, you know, they're athletes or whatever. But I think a lot of people are like, hey, it's, you know, you can't lose 38 nothing to Vanderbilt. Like, you've got to be able to be competitive, you know, good showing. And I think a lot of people thought, you know, most people I talked to were like, you know, I think we got a good shot. You know, we clearly can't lose it in the first half. Got to, you know. Tied down a little bit, whatever, going in the second half, and then hopefully depth and everything then kill you. And I thought that was pretty spot on for a lot of fans on how those games normally go. But then as you start to see the game unfold, Edwin Vanderbilt couldn't take advantage of great field position in the first quarter, and the defense held and was able eventually, the offense was able to get a couple first downs and just punt and then sort of, even the playing field with Vanderbilt starting to drive, you know, from a zone 30 as opposed to midfield or deep tissues 44. And then Vanderbilt hit a big play. Bucks held, got the field goal. And then I thought ETSU settled down um, once they just gave up a field goal. Once they got points on the board, that changed the whole thing. When they scored the touchdown, you started to feel everything shift. I think that first touchdown was tremendous for the confidence of ETSU. The defense we knew would be pretty good as advertised. I was actually shocked at Vanderbilt not maybe lining up and just trying to wear the defense down. And I think, you know, we'll get into a little bit more of my thoughts on sort of Vanderbilt's early coaching mistakes. Um, But ETSU was able to hit home, able to get to the quarterback, able to pressure, able to get sacks, able to force out. 
I think Ken Seals' first couple throws were almost three interceptions on the first possession. I think changed Vanderbilt's sort of play calling and style and what they were going to do, and they stopped playing as fast. They had to slow the game down for them. I think that kind of played into it. Rotating quarterbacks, no one is a fan of that, I don't believe, ever. And they kept rotating them, and they kept not figuring out that guy that was running and running well, Mike Wright, they dropped back to pass a lot and straight dropbacks, not rollouts, not, you know, RPOs, not anything that you would imagine to see. But I thought the way the defense started the game was not intimidated, made plays, should have had a couple of interceptions on the first drive, held the three points, and once that second quarter hit, they got Quay Holmes going. They were able to get a touchdown on the board. I think that changed the whole complexion of the game. Before we get too far into all the nitty-gritty, we should note that we pretty much scrapped the entire show plan for today because how can you not after you beat a Power 5 program, SEC program, second win over a Power 5 program, and ETSU history. So a couple of segments we're going to unveil today. We're going to slide those to later at a time to be determined. We're going to talk about in segment two where this ranks in ETSU history in terms of biggest wins. And then in segment three, uh, some fun before and after media for ETSU versus Vanderbilt Mm. in Nashville Saturday. Um, I think silent disrespect is a great way to put it. Uh, We can go over all of this, right? But that's where I want to start in point one because – Clark Lee, and you can hear it if you listen to the pregame show on Saturday, the Buccaneer Sports Network started at 6.30, right about 7.10, I didn't really hold back a whole lot on saying to Clark Lee and Vanderbilt and media members in Nashville uh, that there's a little bit more that you need to show going into the lead-in of a game against an FCS team. It'll be the same with ETSU going into this game against UVA-wise coming up Saturday you got to respect your opponent. you got to at least mention him in a press conference. I mean, four minutes and 12 seconds from Clark Lee Thursday, his last meeting with the media before the game, zero ETSU mentions. They talked recruiting. They talked number changes. They talked punt or kick returners and why schematically there were guys on special teams doing this and that, zero mentions of ETSU. That's unfathomable to me. And they paid for it, especially in a situation like this, right? It didn't take an expert, and I don't think you or me would fashion ourselves coaching experts or maybe even FBS versus FCS experts, but when you have your 24 top tacklers back, everyone that threw, caught, or uh, ran the ball from the year before on one side, and that's the underdog, and then you have on the other side a winless team in 2019 that's got a new coach, new schemes, new coordinators, new many, many things in their program, and you don't sit there and talk about ETSU and at least show them the respect in the media. And I don't care if people ask questions or not about ETSU because none of the media members did. But don't you go out of your way to say, well, you know, yes, we want to talk about these things and, yes, bigger picture stuff, but let's just focus here on Saturday. We've got an ETSU team that contended for a conference title at their level last year. They're ranked in the FCS. We've seen many FCS upsets. In fact, six of them over FBS schools. Uh, this past weekend, and, and I think a lot of that does have to do with the attitude of the coaches and teams going into those games. If you don't focus on the task at hand, you're going to pay for it, and ETSU made Vanderbilt pay for it in a big way. Uh, the Door Report, which I was on Thursday, uh, tweeted out that this is the worst loss in Vanderbilt history, and it's on day one of Clark Lee, a new coach's tenure at the head of that program. That's what you get for not at least giving a little bit of attention to the team across from you on day one. So, 
It's the first time Vanderbilt has ever lost to an FCS opponent. And in that kind of fashion, so it does sound like it, the worst loss it, in program it would, history. It would make sense to me that it would be their worst loss in school history. And I, I was just curious. I didn't get a chance to talk to those guys. I don't know how those guys treated you and if they were giving you just due or you were just uh, there to limp seek and get them prepped for the next game that they were going to have on about the next opponent. But it, it was amazing just talking with just some folks around. Never talked to any Van, Vanderbilt's radio crew. Wow. Never. That's very rare. Never saw them, never was welcome, never yeah. talked. I mean, it was just a, you know, hey, and, and game one for everybody. Um, and, you know, they've got new play-by-play guy. They've got new, I don't want to say sports information because I don't have an athletic department, so it's a communications from the university. New people working now trying to get simple stuff like literally nobody in the press box know who is where. I mean, it's just very odd. And I felt like that was sort of Vanderbilt football in a microcosm the whole day of just everything that sort of kind of didn't, didn't go their way. And when you have a first-year coach, and it did baffle me that he never said the name. And, and really it was Monday's press conference – because that's um, you know that's the SEC teleconference and you're supposed to talk specific you know game stuff and he did talk for what was it, eight or nine minutes very specific game stuff but he never said anything about the opponent or the name or it was very odd I've done you know I was going back and thinking Jeremy Pruitt certainly knew ETSU's name and said it and went about it and some of the other teams in the in the past I know. Which Davis at Miami certainly said ETSU a lot before we played, and he was, you know, he was the hype machine anyway. So he did a good job building us up before I think they threw a sixty on the board on us. But still, I, I was amazed with sort of that. Then you get the feel early, the fake energy, and I talked about it a lot. I, I knew, and they did a lot of pregame stuff, and I get it. They haven't won in a while. They're not there. They're trying to change, literally change a culture, which obviously has not changed yet. But they're trying to change a culture. And sort of the fake energy and the, the extra getting guys hyped and getting one over. And, you know, Vanderbilt ran a special for all the frats and sororities, and they, you know, marched in there, and they huge black student section that made it to halftime and in the third quarter drive. As soon as that, you know, points on the board, I looked up and half of them are gone and then started the fourth quarter even before the fumble. The other half was gone, and the, you know, probably 400 diehard Vanderbilt student section was still there. But all the other fake students and fake energy and everything they tried to do uh, was gone. Will and Billy on the door report were great. Anyone involved with the athletic department or university, from your experience it sounds like, and then from my experience just trying to line up an interview with Coach Lee, which obviously did not happen because I spent five and a half minutes talking about how he must be crazy on day one of his tenure as a head coach to not talk about the opponent and not give the opponent due respect and seemingly not know much about the opponent, and I'll say this, you know, Billy and Will in the report, they didn't know much either, but they were very forthright about that. Hey, look, we, you know, we don't know a ton of ETSU. That's why we're having you on. Yeah. We, we would love to. Which is what know. they should do. Exactly. So they did their due diligence at least, but as you said, from an internal perspective and then from even that external communications perspective, whether it be from the head coach or sports information or uh, incredible that no one from the radio crew came up, and that's just common courtesy. I think you and me both know going to different – institutions around the country, even at your, you know, Division two, Division three, NAIA levels. So at a Power 5, you expect 
uh, a higher class of welcome, at least a short conversation, something. Um, you can understand when that doesn't happen at a lower level, but especially at a power five. In terms of the game, I think that I was about as optimistic as pretty much anyone going in. And if people listen to Santos and the Sidekick on Thursday, you know, I got a couple of messages that people are saying, wow, do you believe this? Like, well, if you listen to the podcast on Thursday, yeah, I kind of do. I, I absolutely do. But as optimistic as I was, when the final score literally was 23-3, to I had to go back and send a text or two that says, okay, I don't know if I believe this. I believe that ETS is competitive in the game, given Vanderbilt a scare. I even believe that they could win. Pull it out at the end, 16-13, you know, 17-14, something like that. 23-3. Complete and utter domination. And I know that Vanderbilt ended up, quote-unquote, outgaining the Bucks. I think it was 321-314. to But there was one point in the game where I believe it was like 304 to 198 in favor of ETSU, and then Vanderbilt just piled up some garbage yards that ended up, of course, not mattering. Score could have been worse because one of the more baffling rules apparently now in college football is that when you quote-unquote taunt, which the Rondolins did not do, let's not make any mistakes about that on well, Saturday and, late. And here was crazy. They announced the penalty on Tyree Robinson. Now, but on top of that, I've watched that video 17, 18 times. I'm not real sure, besides Tyree putting a finger in the air with his back towards the defender running down the field, what he did. So they either missaid the number right. or, or apparently either DeLentz or Robinson may have said something. I don't know, but the actual watching – I watched the Saturday scoreboard wrap-up show at ESPN at like, you know, 1 or 2 in the morning when we got back to the hotel. And, that, and I, I was writing them down. There were at least ten more egregious guys going in the end zone that did stuff that did not get flagged. And I don't I, – I knew the rule. Robert was all over it the second that it happened, that he knew exactly what was going to go on. But I don't – I'm still not – I'm still very confused on – he held the ball in the air with his back towards the opponent. Then when he turned around, he like just backpedaled to, to celebrate <laughs> yeah. with Robinson. So he just backpedaled uh. to celebrate with a teammate. I mean, I'm watching the Oklahoma guy turn around and give a peace sign to, to a guy, like point at him, give him a peace sign, do whatever. I mean, we got nothing. So I, I just I, – every Absurd. everyone who has seen that play Absurd. has been baffled that that, that was a penalty. Uh it really was a shame that the, the touchdown got wiped off the board. ETSU was able to run an extra, like, three minutes off the clock, kick a field goal. I mean, so it's fine. But still, it, it, it didn't matter. The but principle of the thing. But I wanted it to happen so that the defense would outscore the offense 14-13. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, it truly was a battle of what's the better unit on the field. Not Vanderbilt versus ETSU, but ETSU's offense or ETSU's defense. And that is encouraging specifically for ETSU's offense not to – not revel in the glory of what that win was, but just looking forward a little, and we can go back to as much detail as you want in the Vanderbilt game, but the offense is what I was worried about here. You're never going to worry about the defense with this unit. I mean, you've got a phenomenal secondary, you know, I mean, as good as you're going to find in the FCS. Up front, I was kind of worried about, right, because you were down Austin Lewis since you lost this year player and some guys, you know, on that front three, front four. Um, There have been some questions with depth and just being able to have guys perform at the level that you would want on the level of defense that ETSU plays. Um, I was shocked that Raheem Davis didn't get a ton of carries because it was clear right off the bat, and you mentioned it. I don't know if it was the fact that Clark Lee, another tactical mistake by him, said Seals and Wright are going to play before the game. 
Uh, didn't understand that. QB timeshare, not sure, especially with a guy that was second in the nation in passing yards for true freshman last year, only to Will Rogers at Mississippi State, and had his three 300-yard games. Um, I even said, you know, on that preview podcast with the Vanderbilt guys, Ken Seals is the guy that I like on this team, and, and Davis. You know, those two, I think, are great weapons. And then Pierce, you know, 6'4", 235 on the outside. But when it became clear in the early going that Ken Seals may struggle, uh, I don't know why you didn't turn to Davis and attack ETSU's weakness, which would be that defensive line, at least their defensive weakness, that defensive line right now. Because throwing the ball more is not the answer against ETSU. I mean, Tyree Robinson made a couple of plays that made me believe again that he will be someone that will get a shot in you know, NFL minicamp, training camp type situations going forward. Elijah Huzzy's obviously a star. Mike Price has done phenomenal things since transferring in. And then you have the man that I think Clay Travis said runs a 3940, uh, Karan when he took that back all the way. Um, there were a ton of confusing things on Vanderbilt's side of the ball. And so not only was it the lead up to the game, not only was it the uh, coaching mishaps and such, but flat out, and this was my favorite point from anyone, and I think you and me would have said the same thing after the game, this was not a fluke. This was not something that could not be replicated again. This was not a, oh, the one in a hundred times. ETSU was in every facet of the game flat out better. I know we'll cover stuff post-game, but the beat writer for the Commodores for the Tennessean, that was basically his lead. Hey, if you think this was a fluke, it wasn't. (laughs) ETSU was not just the better team, but they were better at everything. So, I don't want to get too far into that. Let me go over a couple quick things on ETSU, and then I will commence to give you the baffling Vanderbilt stuff, coaching mistakes I yeah. think they made. Number one, after ETSU got field position to death in the first quarter, so it's no shock Vanderbilt outgained ETSU 86-33 because the Bucks were did, the first three drives were inside their 25. One of them was at the one to start the game. The second and third quarter, ETSU outgained. Vanderbilt 253 to 90. Yeah. 253 to 90 <laughs> and ran it down their throats. Oh. It was quite impressive. And what was the problem last year offensively? ETSU, right, couldn't hit any deep passes. Well, welcome Malik Murray. One after another. I mean, he was able to corral a couple. Then Will Huzzy does Will Huzzy things. And so having Malik Murray and sort of a veteran guy. And somebody brought this up, fan brought this up to me. He says, when was the last time you watched an ETSU game that every ball that was thrown near a receiver was caught? No drop passes anywhere. Even, even, and even Tyler Rydell admitting after the game, the, the second drive was my fault. I threw the ball to guys that were open, but I threw them in bad spots where they had to fall down to catch it. Malik, I hit them. Malik and Adkins, I believe. Yes, it was. So, and, and then even Isaiah Wilson, which, which got called back because of an illegal shift penalty, he made a diving grab that didn't even count. And so it was an amazing display. Everyone was locked in. Now, they're not going to go the whole season without dropping a ball. There's things that are going to happen and, and, you know, whatever. But um, in that game and this day, everyone was kind of equal to the task. But the couple long balls helped open up. I thought Randy Sanders was just typical brilliance in some of his play calls. The third and 13 where they were going to bring a blitz and he ran a, a little bit of a delay Holmes able to get down to six. Then in the next play, they run a play that isn't even on the call sheet, but they've repped. I love that. It's like, hey, we've, we've ran this play a ton in practice. You know, I had a, they had to call timeout 
because they were having trouble getting the play in. So it worked out that he was able to huddle and say, hey, guys, you, we all know this play. We've repped this whatever times. Like, this play we're going to run. I know we haven't practiced this week, but we've ran it a lot. Everybody know what you're doing. Malik's the only guy, Murray, that, that you know, maybe has ran it less. They just said, hey, make sure you get to here. He was open, and Rydell threw the ball exactly where he should have. I thought Rydell did a great job of managing, checking in the right runs. I thought the other thing he was able to do was get rid of the football, not worry about numbers. Of course, you know, my big thing is completion percentage, but he threw five balls away that he should have. I mean, he did exactly what – there was one throw that was egregious, and that was the one late third quarter in the, like, triple coverage where he stared down – I think I said Atkins on the broadcast, but watching it again, it was uh, Wilson. Stared down Isaiah Wilson, and so Mandy ran into each other. They would have had an interception. But other than that, I thought he commanded the offense. I thought the receivers did their job. I thought Quay Holmes, considering he had one carry for four yards in the first quarter, bounced back. I love that Robert Harper said that he had to have, you know, 15 more carries in the second half, 140 yards, and he, he was at 140 yards on the first drive of the third quarter, and he had to amend that. So I thought everything about ETSU's game plan, special teams was one thing that scared me, and they were equally up to the task. Puzzy made nice decisions on balls to try to catch, so he's matured a little bit in balls to let go. He was sure-handed when he was able to make the catch. The kick coverage team, the punt coverage team was incredible. Uh, Garrett Taylor did a great job of punting all day. The one punt he didn't hit particularly well, he had to get rid of because it was the one time Bandy went after him late in the game. I mean, the holds were great. The snaps were great. Kicking game from uh, Keltner, not just field goals, but kicking out of the back of the end zone. I mean, everything about what ETSU did offensively, defensively, and truly special teams was incredible. I'll let you get to these coaching issues in a moment, but on Quay Holmes. Now, Vanderbilt, the one thing you can say for him, pretty smart school. Academics are very good, kids generally intelligent. And you talked about, after that first drive of the third quarter, about half of them filed out. And I think they're pretty smart kids, and that holds true, because when ETSU opened the half with six straight Quay Holmes runs, and the last one was 36 yards, there is nothing more impressive and important in that type of situation, because, as we know, We've seen it time and again, saw it against Tennessee with the lightning strikes, and then Tennessee comes back out after the long delay and just destroys ETSU, right? We saw it against Vanderbilt in 2019, 14-0 at the half. Hey, this game is right there, and then the first play of half two, 75 yards, touchdown. Halftime or long delays, in the case of the lightning strike at Tennessee, are what can change games. Game of adjustments, right? Hey, I, I'm seeing this. Let me go and do this. And the Bucks have been outpointed in those situations on a couple of occasions. When you go out and hand it to your horse six straight times, and especially on the ground when you're playing an SEC team, right, because game starts up front, generally in the trenches, you're going to be out muscled. And you own them like that, and the final run in that sequence is for 36 yards, and then you get your points. That, to me, said that this was not any other FBS versus FCS day, any SEC versus SOCON day that ETSU was not only in this game to stay, but that it was going to take rather a miracle on the other side. Instead of an ETSU miracle, something unforeseen, Vanderbilt was going to need a minor miracle to be able to come back and be in this game because ETSU was doing it to the Commodores what an FBS team usually does to an FCS team. How many? 23 for 149? I mean, against an SEC school? Speaking of people, I've talked about Tyree Robinson getting a chance at you know, an NFL training camp, mini camp type of situation. Quay Holmes just continues to impress again and again and again. And you made a great point about Tyler Rydell. I think Ken Seals 
took steps back in this game, and whether it was because ETSU's secondary is just that good, whether it's because this scheme that they're running now is not going to fit him, whether it's because the dual quarterback announcement really threw a wrench into his mind and he couldn't let that go, uh, he took steps back. He was not the same quarterback that we saw in 2019, or 2020, I should say, fall of 2020. Tyler Rydell, who, again, as we talked about in Santos and the Sidekick on Thursday, I really liked in those first three games of the spring season. He is only progressing, making the smart decisions, not turning the ball over, and that was one of the big areas that ETSU needed to make sure that they were better in was turning over the ball uh, because Vanderbilt, as we talked about last, uh, last show, minus 14 in the turnover margin in the fall of 2020. ETSU needed to win the turnover battle, and they did in a big way. And it was crazy because they actually really, uh, I guess the fumble return really kind of sealed the deal but they may not even have needed the turnovers. And they should have had seven. I mean, there were four dropped interceptions that were gimmies, including the Stephen Scott two plays before the, the fun, which he was genius. I love that. Genius. Knew what he was yeah, doing. So uh, the one thing I will say, too, about Randy Sanders' play column, I thought the shovel pass was set up beautifully. I think Tavon Matthews whiffed on, on Nate Clifton. And if he could have just told him a joke, spit in his ear, Bumped him accidentally. Uh, whatever. Uh, I don't. Uh, probably, that probably drew a penalty. Okay. But um, if he did any of that, then Quay Holmes walks into the end zone on that drive. But I thought that just every time Randy Sanders needed to pull the strings, and they had set up that little play, and I kept wondering, like, hey, they're kind of telegraphing. You know, when a guy goes in motion, two receivers on the left are just throwing it to the to the receiver and blocking up hill. Well, yeah, they did that because they did it three times because they wanted the fourth time. You'd think that as well and throw the shovel pass. So I thought it was tremendous what they did. And I hope, because um, we have not discussed the tweets and everything. But I oh, hope, we will. But, but we'll I, get there. But I hope you found the one about the Vandy sideline uh, where they had predicted the halftime adjustments. Let's just say it didn't age well. Uh, no, case, oh, feel free to add that one I will, when we okay. get there. <laughs> I, I will look that up when we talk about yeah. something else because it was spectacular. And I forgot about it until you mentioned it. So here's all my Vandy just baffling over there too. Wow. comments. So, first thing is, I think, and I think ETSU fans can relate to this. ETSU basketball last year opened up against Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian had every human being back, yeah. right? ETSU had some players back, but a lot of new faces, a whole new staff, and openly admitted right after the game, Coach Shea was like, look, this was on us. We were overwhelmed. We weren't quite sure what we were doing as a staff. We didn't have players ready. I think it is very similar to Vanderbilt. That, And I'm not saying ETSU would have beat Abilene Christian, and I don't think Vandy would have beat ETSU if they had their act together. I think those results wouldn't have been as bad, but the results were probably true to who should have won the game. But it reminded me a lot of that because offensively they were a mess. They weren't sure who they were, what they were going to do. They're rotating quarterbacks. And the one drive I'll show you how – baffling I think they are. So they made the decision to put Mike Wright in in the third quarter down uh, ETSU 13-3. So they run uh, Raheem Davis, right? They run him. Nice gain, four yards. Five yards, two yards. First down, right? Move the sticks. Then they do a straight drop back incomplete. Well, okay, maybe they're trying to catch ETSU off guard. Then they pick up nine yards. Another rush, three yards. First and ten. Mike Wright, a sweet play, gets tackled. That's fine. Then he throws a 14-yard pass. There's a penalty, backs him up. Mike Wright, though, run, first down. Then we get, right, pass and completion, six-yard gains, third and six. Here's where 
at this point, I'm like, you just had a kicker kick 54-yard field goal. It would have been about 50-51 if they would have kicked. So I'm thinking third down, okay, if they throw here, they're going to kick. Well, they do throw, and they don't the straight drop back, and they throw a sideline route outside the numbers. So that's confusing. Then when they go for it again, it's a straight drop back. Bucks bring blitz. The, he throws inside the numbers, but still there's double coverage. Or, I, I, no, I'm sorry. He threw it up for grabs. Should have been intercepted by Mike Price. Threw one up for grabs. It was, it was inside the numbers, but he threw one up. Mike Price should have grabbed it. And I'm sitting there thinking, you had two plays. Obviously, when you started to lean on the run game, it was working for you. Why not give the ball to Davis if you had two downs, see what happened. The other thing is, is they went straight drop back with the guy that doesn't throw the ball. You've got it's a funky motion. That threw 35 times, the pocket guy, the passer. And it was the situation, this is the best way I could put it. Defensively, ETSU made some plays that Vandy thought they could make one-on-one, and it didn't work out for Vandy. And sometimes you just have to tip your cap. But offensively, I felt like they were the classic New coordinator, this is my offense. This is who we're going to be. This is what we're going to do. I don't care if we've just ran it well. I want to throw the ball. I want to do this. We're going to be this. The old Josh Tucker. Yes. <laughs> it is unbelievable. It just was crazy. I mean, to sit there and look at, I, I don't know. It was very confusing to me. That was the drive that really kind of set it up for me of what was going on there. And then they just eventually, you know, you got Seals sitting on the sideline because they want to go with Wright, and they think he's more dynamic. And for a certain parts of the game, he is dynamic. But then late in the game, they got to go back to Seals and just throw, 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 throw. And eventually, we've talked about ETSU's defense up to the task. And honestly, late in the game, it was just a bend, don't break. Let them throw these little five-yard completions. They're going to eat up three, four minutes of the clock. And then ETSU ended up still getting two interceptions at the end of the game. But, you know, Good for Vandy and the coaches have to, you know, get that 300 yards of total offense. But that whole area of how they manage the game, and I think Clark Lee, being a head coach, being a defense guy, you know, he hired an offense coordinator, probably trust him. But at some point, he's going to look at that tape and go, I don't care what you think you are. At some point, if we are running it down somebody's throat, let's, you know, maybe stick with that some. Yes, we can sprinkle in a throw here and there. I didn't mind the Mike Wright kind of first down throws because normally they were little hitches or you know a little four or five yard comeback route something that was safe yeah it was safe it wasn't down the field but third and six and fourth and six he's throwing vertical on straight dropbacks like i just there were so many things and seals would get in the groove and he gets out of the game and then right gets yes i I, it was that's what i hate about it it was confusing quarterback layout you know i mean how is ken seal supposed to excel going into that game knowing, oh, well, at any time, you get the hook, you know, and then makes a bad throw or two early on, and then in the back of his mind, the rest of the game, it just compounds itself, right? Oh, it just made a bad throw. Well, I already know he was breathing down my neck. When is that coming out for me? When is Clark Lee going to say, no, 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 all right, that's enough, and then you start pressing, and you start playing worse. It, it made no sense. Every single step of the way on game week number one for Clark Lee made absolutely no sense. Imagine starting off your tenure at a new place. In fact, your alma mater with the worst loss in program history. They had one possession third quarter. One possession third quarter. You're going to win a lot of football games, ETSU, if the opposing team has one possession in any quarter. It was a, it was an incredible display it was. Of, of hearing going into it, well, at one point, one team's physicality 
and depth is going to win out. And it was true. It was just on who they thought was going to do it. <laughs> that is exactly right. Uh, one thing before we have some fun. Person I feel best for in this situation, and I loved that you had him on postgame. It was perfect. Billy Taylor. Buck through and through. No one that I've seen at this university since I've been here, and it has been a fraction of the time that you have, so please throw other names out there if you'd like. I have not met one person that I think cares about this place more than him, that has more history here and has invested more time here and was more devastated when football was gone and more thrilled when it came back and has seen it mature at every step of the way since it's been back, was on the 1987 team that beat North Carolina State, and then leads what is going to be one of the best defensive units in the nation, has been one of the best defensive units in the nation under him over the last couple of years, is defense to maybe the best performance in program history on the defensive side of the ball. I thought it was, and I love Coach Taylor, and I, I talked about it post-game, just the fact that everywhere that he has gone after ETSU football, we've kept in contact. He always sought me out, and we always talked about ETSU football. And if Matt Wilgem ever listens to this, and if you name-dropped anybody else you think loves ETSU football more than Billy Taylor, I think he would literally fight you. <laughs> he talks about it all the time. There's yep. not one person that loves ETSU football the way Billy Taylor does. Former player, two-time defense coordinator. You know, he is – Everything He's always worked his way back to ETSU. He's come to ETSU events when he worked at other schools very quietly. He's did it, so it was great. And to have him, and it was an easy call because he's the guy that was on the team. And then he led the defense, and I love that. And I, I knew that they lost it to VMI the next week, but at that moment it had slipped my mind. And for him to immediately kind of jump into that and turn into coach mode about, you can ruin it all in one week. It is great. Right, Vandy disrespected us, and guess what? We whipped them. Now, you disrespect UVA wise. No one's going to remember your win. You can take away this win very quickly and go back to being just well the team in Johnson City, right? As opposed to ETSU that's been making some waves and noise, and we'll see how the top 25 when it breaks out here. But I thought he handled and talked about it, and and handled it the right way. And I, it, it is ironic that the one time he didn't bring the coin. Yeah, I thought that was he, interesting. He, he got the the coin that they flipped um, at the NC State game. He was, a he was a captain. That, yep. He has that coin, and he always brings it to those games, and he didn't. And I, at the time, I didn't want to ruin the momentum, but I wanted to give him, because, you know, we're all superstitious here on the network. I wanted to go, well, well Billy, you can never bring that coin ever again. I mean, it just seems pretty simple math of what um, you can and can't do. But he was at all the guys, and I loved, I had talked to Steven Scott maybe one other time, since his tenure on uh, ETSU's campus, a short conversation, but I love um, Stephen Scott. And it always amazes me when the Sear player told me he never scored any level, and then Stephen Scott told me he had never scored on any level. Pee-wee anything. It, it is amazing that guys at that high level, um, to me, that hasn't been able to do, I mean, you would think Stephen Scott would play fullback or get a carry here or there or whatever, and especially the Sear player tied in maybe – Something massive individual. I mean, <laughs> but still, it, it was it was incredible. Uh, it was great. Uh, now I, I'm, I'm ready for some fun. Uh, is that that segment two, right? Uh, segment two and segment three, really. We got some maybe debate to do in segment two, but just fun walking up. We're going top wins, and then segment three. Oh, segment is three. Okay, gonna be so good. All right. Well, let's uh, let's step aside for a timeout. 
ETSU, in case you didn't know, victorious over the uh, hapless Commodores. You'd be amazed to learn what one Tennessee lottery ticket can lead to. For you, it could be lucky, but for others, it could open the door to so much more. With more than $6 billion raised for education, the Tennessee Lottery has proudly funded over 1.5 million scholarships and grants. That means, on average, more than 130,000 Tennesseans every year continue their education just because you played. The Tennessee Education Lottery, game-changing, education-benefiting fun. Cowboy up, go play ball. Cowboy up, right there. Cowboy up, go play ball. Cowboy up, go play ball. So that has led to many questions that I'm sure you have gotten, as I have gotten. Where does this rank? Which is always difficult to do. So I don't know. Did you actually? And I have plenty of games. I got a list. Okay. Did you list them, or do you just have games? I listed. Okay. Very controversial and political, obviously. All right. Uh, firstly. I just How want many to say do you have on the list? Let me count mine. It's just the top five. And I hope you have more, which I imagine you do, because that will mean that there will be some good debate of what I left out. Yeah, i got ten or eleven. You can flex the I'll put ten or eleven that I have not ranked, but. You can flex the historical muscle on Okay, that. all right. Uh, firstly, it is just a golden time to be in blue and gold. We are having this debate in one of the two big programs here at ETSU for a, what, second time in two years? Remember, 2019-20, Patrick Good, crazy championship ceiling barrage of threes in Freedom Hall. A couple of years back for men's basketball, we had to have the discussion, was that the greatest regular season win in ETSU men's basketball history? I said yes. You said no. Steve Forbes agreed with me. He's awake for us now. I obviously was right on that. Uh, I think this one is top five. Now, I'd like to go through a little bit of each one that I have ahead or behind. I don't want to ruin the order right now. But I'd like to go through this and then you go through yours and we discuss. Is that alright? Sure. Okay. Number one, I'm going to put 1969. Terry Bradshaw, Louisiana Tech, Grantland Rice Bowl, 12 sacks, 3 interceptions of Bradshaw. I think that's the greatest winner program in history because it sealed the perfect season. Still tied for the most wins in a year in program history. And obviously it helps that Terry Bradshaw was on the team, and, again, perfect season, endures the test of time. Number two, I put 1987 in North Carolina State. It was the Bucks' first win over a Power 5 program, only win until now. NC State was in the Peach Bowl the year before, and the fact that they had beaten the nation's number seven team two weeks earlier, Clemson, also... It was decisive fashion for ETSU, up 27-7 to at one point against NC State before they ended up winning 29-14. to A similar yard split to this year's Power 5 win, too, against NC State. It was 317-298. to It was 321-314 to Saturday in favor of Vanderbilt. But a lot of those Vandy yards, as we talked about, came late. My sense is that was probably the case in 1987, too. I didn't have the play-by-play, but the game unfolding the way it did. ETSU up so big, leaving no doubt, a lot of garbage yards. Uh, so I have... 1969 over Terry Bradshaw, Louisiana Tech, number one. 1987 at North Carolina State, 
number two. Number three is 1996 versus Villanova because it's the only Bucks FCS playoff win and because of the special year that it was. Now, the only loss in the first half of the regular season was against FBS East Carolina. The only loss in the second half of the regular season, very famed, right? Chad Pennington, Randy Moss, Marshall, who were number one in the nation at the time, one of the few times that any ETSU program, by the way, has ever hosted a nation's number one. Uh, all the stories that came from, and we've talked about it on the show before, all the stories that came from that day with people camping out for tickets and the dome rocking the way it was. You go on to make the FCS playoffs for the very first time, get your very first FCS playoff victory against number 14 Villanova, fourth ranked win of the season. One of the others, by the way, coming against Appalachian State by three touchdowns earlier in the season, who were number four in the country at the time. Uh, tied the 1996 team, or I should say 1969 team, for the most single season wins in program history. So, again, a first, right? And then I have at 4A, 2001 versus Georgia Southern. Quarterback makes his triumphant return to the broadcast booth this week. Of course, Matt Wiljum, he'll love this one. I'm sure you love this one. Wiljum to see some more twice for two touchdowns. Buck defense forces four Georgia Southern turnovers. And to me, again, this is why it deserves a recognition because not only was Georgia Southern defending national champions and number one in the country at the time, but it was a first. The first and only time ETSU has been a number one team. The only thing lacking here, Jay, is that the season was largely mediocre outside of that. Four and four in the league, which is why I think Saturday's game against Vanderbilt, which I have at 4B, could move up. And I'm not sure if there's an outrageous amount of upward mobility here. I think it's special, obviously, because of the history and how far the program has come. Not only after these past two years, right, because it was 38-0 two years ago against the same team, the last seven years, the fact that you were losing the Division II and Division Three programs those first couple of years, and now you're beating Power 5 programs, and even just look over the last 20 years when football wasn't a thing for 12 of those. Um, I did love Don Hellman's story uh, post-game about Matt Wiljum after football was eliminated, talking to Don about, boy, you know, I, I really hope one day it comes back. And Don just being like, Matt, what are you talking about? This is it, man. Give it up. You know, like old washed-up ball coach, like, come on. You know, there's, there's no, yeah, I get it's your alma mater, and you're nostalgic and all this, but it's done. And look where we are now. Uh, special because it's in-state. It's SEC. It was dominant, as we talked about. It's a $415,000 payday, which we haven't mentioned yet, plus probably another 10000 or whatever it was for the 60 hotel rooms. It's difficult because the top three and 4A, as a matter of fact, are all firsts. But that being said, what if ETSU goes and does something special this year, makes the playoffs, makes a run at a title? I think it certainly takes fourth on its own then and maybe even higher if a great season does follow this is the game I believe that'll stand out because this is when we knew, right? And this was the best team, quote-unquote, at least on paper, that ETSU would have played this year. The sky is the limit for this season right now. This still has to be somewhat unsettled because the season hasn't played itself out. But that's my list. Really, four firsts and then this game. And I don't want to rain on the parade and say, well, it's only fifth best. It's still a top five win in program history. And it has a chance to be better than that. I just love that it's Probably still not the best win in ETSU football history, but for Vandy, it's their worst loss. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I enjoyed what do you that. think of that list? Give me your overall impressions before you get right, to your list. What do you think of that list? On, I have all of those games on your list, which okay, you would not be shocked about. Good. Um, getting in the rankings is always a little tough. Um, People want the controversy. I agree, but I do. I think the Grantland Rice Bowl is it's tough to knock out of its perch. Okay. I, I just undefeated year, you know. Playing 
back then the bowl game, right, didn't have the, the playoff system. I mean, playing the bowl game, just what it meant, really did a lot for ETSU. So I think clearly that, that is up there. I think the playoff game against Villanova, it's your only playoff win. I think certainly that has to be in there. I think the two FBS games have to be in there. Then you get into, okay, we did knock off a number one team in Georgia Southern. 1996, I think ETSU had lost 14 straight to App State. They were fourth in the country, and ETSU gets off the schneid and wins 31-10 in 96, which was the playoff year. Then in 97, they go to App State and to Furman and set road team records for 51 points and 58 points. And, you know, in the App State game, I think ETSU never punted. I think they took a knee to end the first half and a knee to end the game. So I think certainly I can make an argument for those. I think obviously in the scheme of the win and what it means, the ETSU Citadel last game doesn't, in the scheme of the world, it it was just a win over uh, a mediocre team being a mediocre team. But it was the last game that you thought you would never see football again. So to me that holds a little special – place and then the week before that ETSU sets a school record with only 45 guys 50 guys on the roster against Chattanooga they go down seven nothing they score 63 unanswered and just took out every frustration from the three weeks before and then you know if you go new besides you know since it's been back clearly Vanderbilt is the biggest win and since it's been back I mean besides maybe the Kennesaw State to sort of flip things I, mean, I know people are like well you know since it's been back what about the Sanford win 2015 nice win I think it was a nice win. It was something to show the guys, like, hey, we, you know, we, we can compete. We can play. Then you open up the year with a 2016 win against Kennesaw State. I think that's good. I think there's several 2018 moments that, again, in the scheme of the world, you, you beat teams that weren't spectacular and it's not going to move the needle compared to some. But those are sort of the, the 11, you know, and I, I kind of grouped 2018 with two or three wins come from behind wins. But, you know, the – the top five, I think, certainly, you know, is a good list for you. I think the way no, I, I think you there's a couple things ninety six, ninety seven, you can maybe make an argument for because that's that's the greatest two year stretch of any ETSU football program. Um, and then unfortunately for ETSU, they've not been able to bounce back. You know, in seventy, not a particularly great year. Obviously, twenty nineteen is not a particularly great year. 96, the playoff year, 97, even though they set all those records and were scoring points, they, they still took four losses. And, again, the way the playoffs were, it was 16 teams, and the top you know, three teams generally from the SOCON would get in. ETSU was tied for third, ended up not getting in. So there's a couple things there that if they had the 2014 playoff, it would have, the SOCON would have really ran the roost similar to Missouri Valley and what they were able to do. So that, that's sort of the rest of my list to go in there. So where is this one in that list? Because you didn't rank any of them. Is it top five? Am I right about that? Yeah, I think I would give it top five. I, I don't think it's the best. I, I just don't. Um, again, it's so funny because, you know, I think the Vanderbilt win um, right now, because the this, this season not over, it could potentially be bigger than the NC State one. Um, that was also a year where there wasn't a whole lot else to talk about except that. Right. That, that was really the thing. And I, I can't remember. I think NC State was sort of a 
middle of the road. Three and nine. Yeah. Yeah. Four and seven, I believe. Is what yeah, they, 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 they weren't. They weren't it was, it, but similar to Vandy, right? I mean, Vandy's probably not going to have a good year. Um, the difference is, you know, the money thrown at college athletics in the 80s, just in general, I won't even say the, the, the one year, that, but just in the 80s and early 90s, is not the money that's thrown at the SEC and Vanderbilt now. I mean, yeah, it's Vanderbilt and they won games, but they still get the $70 million paycheck from the SEC network, and then they share in every time that Alabama's in a national championship game and all the bowl money is split equally amongst SEC schools. I mean, they're, they're making close to $70 million just because they have three letters on their field of the conference they play in. And so you can't discount that. And I know, yes, they're going through some stuff and struggles, but to me the, the gap that should be there clearly was not there. On that note, for anyone that says, well, it's just Vanderbilt. Oh, why are you guys so proud of that? Vanderbilt, they're terrible. They've been terrible forever. One winning season in the SEC in the last 40 years. Ten winless seasons. Yeah, okay, sure. But the point that you just made is exactly why anyone that's saying those type of things needs to rethink and take a step back and realize they know nothing about college athletics. $70 million, you said it is, roughly $70 million for the SEC network deal. I'm not here to reveal any budget numbers for ETSU, but I'll give you some generalities. Uh, not only is ETSU's athletics budget less than a quarter of that for the entire department for a year, it has also been hurt further because of COVID. And to have that kind of money flowing into a place, and funny, we're going to talk about this a little bit in the next segment about the 20 best headlines or tweets that come out of this game. If you can't realize that money runs everything in college athletics particularly, but obviously the world in general, you have a very limited, immature, and ill-informed view of how this entire thing works. And you can't be in a conversation about why this was as big of an upset as it was, and why the way that ETSU did it made it that much more important. No one's ever going to be able to go back and say, well, a thing or two this way or that way would have changed the outcome. No. This was definitive, decisive, and dominant. And I think some of the tweets and stuff we'll go over will prove that uh, on the national level, it was certainly looked at different than maybe uh, some of the locals uh, and probably more Vandy fans. I think ETSU fans understand. I think some of the Vandy fans don't understand it, but on a national level, they certainly understand it because they kept bringing up the point that no SEC team had lost since 2015. Citadel, so, I forgot about that. Citadel, yes. Yeah. And actually, I think it was back-to-back here. South Carolina lost to Furman and Citadel, <laughs> or Wofford and Citadel. It was too, it was too bad. It was too bad. It was two bad years for South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, well, but I'm, I did find my tweet. Out. Okay, good. Uh, the one thing I'll say before we go to that segment. Only honorable mention I had, and this makes sense for me, right, because I'm more new to uh, the Buck clan that we have now here, um, but that 2018 season, there just wasn't that one signature win. Of course, the one moment that's going to stand out is 27-6 against Furman, Logan Marshy sputtering, Austin Heron comes in, leads the biggest comeback in ETS changes history, trajectory. changes the trajectory, everything flipped. Great, that's awesome, that's a moment. But it's a win over Furman, right? Unless you watch that game, unless you understood the different sectors of the season, right? There was pre-Herrick, and then there was Herrick. 
then you wouldn't have understood why that was so important, why that was so momentous. Um, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't going to remember that as the greatest comeback in program history, biggest comeback in program history, because, again, it doesn't have – it's not evident unless you were there, you watched it, you understood the situation, you saw where that game and where that season was before Austin Herrick, and then where things went in that game and in that season when he came in. So that was my one honorable mention, um, but just not a moment, not one specific game. I had a couple moments, not one specific game. I think you put it very well. All right, we got a fun oh, – yeah. I cannot wait. Very fun segment, ETSU, Vandy, social media, Twitter, newspapers, headlines, uh, regular media, everything we got for you, all wrapped up in a hopefully 10, 15-minute just fun fest. So for this time, out to your word. From the Buccaneers, Western Network. For over 75 years, Bright Ridge has powered our community, providing the energy to live, work, and play. And now we're looking ahead – investing in our community today, and building the infrastructure to power our community tomorrow. We're supporting zero-emission electric vehicles, harnessing the sun to provide clean, renewable community energy, and expanding into broadband services for our shared future. Bright Ridge, your community power, here for you. And we've got a surprise at the end that is not a headline or a tweet, but an audio piece of our entire puzzle here. But you went back. I was excited because you went back and found some preseason or pregame. I don't know if you want to call pre-game. it trash talk. No, or no, no, no. Literally, this regular the, articles. As you would imagine, you know, every school nowadays has a bar stool, whatever, or bleacher report, right, or whatever. And so I'm trying to think of bar stools or bleacher report. This is uh, SB Nation. Yeah. All the team sites. Right, yeah. all the team sites from the Anchor Down Gold site, right? So, like you would imagine, they cover their team. They've got four guys that write for that site, and so they decided, you know, like most people, they're going to pick the Vandy game each week and then an SEC upset pick each week. That's sort of what they do going back and look at. So I'm going to start with old Tom, Tom Stevens. Uh, he seems to be the lead guy here, and he basically gives a nice paragraph. So I'm not going to read his. is lengthy, so I'm not going to read all his. But basically, he said, here's why you should be mildly worried about Saturday's game. And he goes into all the reasons why ETSU is good. Okay. And he gives the second paragraph why all the reasons Vandy is bad. So he has, <laughs> like he has me there. And then he, the third paragraph, and I'll just a couple quick lines here. With that said, there's still a considerable gap between a pretty good FCS team and basically, basically any FBS team. Not SEC, but basically any FBS team, considering – and again, this was done before all the FCS teams just started blowing up. Wow. And he basically gave ETSU should worry about, uh, should worry, uh, Murphy's Law and kind of sense that keep things competitive for a half, and then really that'll give Vanderbilt, I quote, mild heartburn. <laughs> His prediction, Vanderbilt 38, Buccaneers 14. 
Andrew Vu, which is not Vu, it just stands for Vanderbilt 04, but I just enjoyed <laughs> that he didn't want to put his last name in. Uh, basically, yeah, well, I wouldn't, he says basically like all of you have no idea what Clark Lee coach Vanderbilt team will look like. It damn well better be able to blow the doors off ETSU. Oh, buddy. Blah, 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 blah. If not, we will drink bleach. Vanderbilt 31 6. <laughs> oh, my God. Drink bleach. <laughs> Andrew <laughs> Boo. Oh. That is unbelievable. Paul Gerard. <laughs> Paul Gerard. Paul can't be that far off the deep end, Kenny. Andrew, oh, my gosh. Paul gives it the ETSU quickly gaining steam as Vanderbilt's second strongest in state rival. rival with linebacker Blake Bockrath already stirring the pot earlier this week by saying they played good defense against the Doors in 2019. He did say the comments had some merit because NFL talent Kyle Shermer and Kashawn Vaughn had a modest 38 points. Look for Clark Lee's opener to be a similar trajectory. Vanderbilt 28, ETSU 3. If 38 points is modest, what was that 3 that they put up? That's a great question. Complete and utter failure, I believe. So... Dorian the Plains. Door on the Plains is what it is. Door on the Plain. I read it wrong the first time. Door door, door on the Plains. (laughs) Offense has too much talent, even with questions on the offensive line, not to score a few points. Well, he clearly missed that. More importantly, I don't see the worst-case scenario. The O-line involved being bossed around by ATSU. Second point he glaringly missed. Defensively, I hope to see some aggressive style that's supposedly coming. If we do, we will overwhelm ETSU. Our defense was terrible by SEC standards, but it still should be able to handle an FCS offense. Vanderbilt, 41, oh. ETSU team. Oh. Is Andrew Vanderbilt his bleach? Oh, God. For Andrew's sake, I hope he's still alive today. I mean, that is horrific. You shouldn't joke about that kind of thing when you've got a matchup that was clearly close enough to go one way or another, and it ended up being 20 the other way. More, on the, drink more on the SB Nation anchor down site <laughs> after we get through this. Okay. Tell me when you get to halftime, because i got a good one for halftime, too. Uh, well, there's a, so basically I took everything from, again, postgame. If you got halftime, oh, go, I got right half-time. Ahead, go right ahead. All right, yeah. sidelines-Vanderbilt. You can find them at at SSN underscore Vanderbilt. It's only one half of one game with a complete new staff. Yes, it wasn't pretty. Remember, it's a half. Games are won and lost with halftime adjustments. Let's see what this staff can do to right the ship. First comment, should have switched, should have switched staffs at halftime. I bet that Thank you, Joe, whoever side, Joe is. Sidelines-Vanderbilt probably wishes that half two went like half one. Because half two, ETSU made some pretty darn good adjustments to make it even more lopsided. Uh, these tweets and headlines that I found are kind of from everywhere. Uh, there's a few from ETSU's fan section, which we love, obviously. There's a few from Vanderbilt's fan section. And then there's some national media, some regional media. I'm excited. Mm, I'm going to sit back and wait. Let's lead with ETSU underscore CC. That's the captain's cabin. You see them oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. over on Twitter. Big fan. Good follow. They quote tweeted SSN underscore UTC. I know you always love when mm-hmm. Chattanooga's brought into this. Mm-hmm. Chattanooga fan account that said, quote, anchor down, beat the hell out of capital ETSU lowercase CKS. So ETSU sucks. I believe that's not even really clever to me, but that's what this Chattanooga fan account put. And the captain's cabin quote tweeted and said, LOL. Two L's in one weekend. <laughs> Austin P going in and beating Chattanooga, and clearly 
this fan account has taken it. ETSU football. You know, I like to give some love to our guys here in-house at ETSU football. Posted a picture of the scoreboard at the end of the game and said, quote, it just meant more. Which, if you're familiar with college Sa- football. Somebody gave him Savage, right? Yeah. Uh, Saturday Down South? Uh, no, no, no. That, or was it Saturday Down South? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah they they retweeted that. and said the, the Buck football account is Savage. Had to go there. That was ex- absolutely excellent. Uh, of course, the SEC slogan is, quote, it just means more. Uh, yeah, excellently done. I think our best tweet as a department. Um, and I do encourage that kind of tweeting from us, absolutely. Uh, at Connor H. Knapp, also known as B- Big T from Barstool. Quote, Vanderbilt got its doors blown off by FCS East Tennessee State. Pretty simple one. I love it. I do wish he would have put doors, D-O-R-E-S, with the apostrophe before. I think that would have been a little bit more clever. So maybe a missed opportunity, but still love to see those type of headlines. At Fleming W17, that's Will Fleming. He's a big buck backer. And this was what got, I think, a lot of ETSU fans really LOLing and guffawing after the game. Uh, I saw a number of people say that it was the tweet of the night. In a play on Drake's new album cover for Certified Lover Boy, I know you're a big Certified Lover Boy fan, it features 12 emojis on the cover of pregnant women in different clothes, skin tones, things like that. Will changed the title to Certified Loser Boys and put Vanderbilt helmets on all the emojis. I did see that. <laughs> that was it was ridiculous. <laughs> excellent. Very current, very topical. Uh, Reddit College Football. So this is Reddit College Football's Twitter. Reddit CFB. Quote, the SEC should seriously consider forcing Vandy to write an essay on what the hell they're even doing with all that money they're getting from the conference only to lose 23-3 to an FCS team. And that's where that $70 million check, as you talked about, from the SEC network does come in. Former ETSU lineman, Asley Haynes. You remember him? At the Asley Haynes on Twitter. Quote, Coach Sanders going to eat a family-sized bag of Cool Ranch Doritos, have two cigars on the way home, <laughs> and hell, he may get a little weird and have a regular Pepsi instead of diet. Love that. Asley clearly knows his coach. Barstool Vanderbilt at Barstool Vandy. Quote, Vanderbilt football in a play, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, that was on the Ken Seals fumble. And there were lots and lots and lots of tweets on this play. I really could have picked any of them. But I love how painfully aware even fan accounts are of how bad Vanderbilt is. Um, at TN Sports on Twitter. And, goodness, could you have used pretty much any tweet from them. You could choose from Vanderbilt loses to FCS East Tennessee State and Clark Lee's disastrous opener. Vanderbilt football paid ETSU 415000 and got dominated at home. Quote, the worst thing for Vanderbilt football and Clark Lee, question mark. This was no fluke. ETSU was better, which I think is the most true of the statements. The funniest of the statements, I thought, Vanderbilt football grades. Here's how many Fs we gave the Commodores in the last ETSU. Not, is it an A, B, C, D, or F? It is how many Fs. Uh, at ALDlandia, Aldlandia. Quote, thought we'd already hit rock bottom, and then we get smoked by ETSU week one. Very realistic, very real. That's why that's phenomenal for someone that clearly, I think, is regretting his Vandy fandom at this point. Titletown Mafia. You're a big fan of Titletown Mafia on Twitter, at Freedom underscore Mafia. Quote tweeted Vanderbilt football's final score graphic that was captioned, Eyes Ahead, and said, capitalizing the E, I see what you did there, which to me is the perfect mix of stupid and clever, considering he was talking about the E at the beginning of a sentence. Love that. At Rabadab92, which is maybe the best Twitter handle uh, name-wise of the ones that we're highlighting, uh, maybe my favorite of the bunch, especially considering he has a picture of Vanderbilt basketball players as his background. 
quote, don't let ETSU's boat racing of Vandy and football distract you from the fact that ETSU would also boat race Vandy and basketball. <laughs> I see no lies. I see no lies. And then ETSU Hoops Nation says, you love ETSU Hoops Nation, I love ETSU Hoops Nation, quote, this is a person of keen awareness, profound insight, and sage wisdom. And I agree with those. At the Uncommon Fan, uh, hashtag Block Tennessee is uh, his uh, just title name rather than his avatar. Quote, should ETSU replace Vanderbilt in the SEC? And this is a poll. Last time I checked, it was 76 to 24 in favor of ETSU. Oh, going down. 76 to 24. Um, let's see. I've got two more, and one of them involves you. At Scooter Vol, Scott Stevens. And I don't know if you want to take this one or not, but I can basically tell you that. Is this the ranking? You put out the college football rankings. I've got them. Do you still have them pulled up? No. Re- okay. At Scooter Vol. State of Tennessee college football rankings. University of Tennessee one, which is questionable. Number two, Memphis. Uh, number three, MTSU. MTSU. Yep. Number four, ETSU. Number five, Tennessee State. Number six, Carson Newman. Number seven, Tusculum. Number eight, Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro, Oakland. Oakland. Yeah, yeah Oakland. High school. I'm sorry. Murfreesboro, Oakland. Sorry. Murfreesboro, Oakland. <laughs> number nine, Maryville High School. Number ten, Vanderbilt. To which you brilliantly quote tweeted and said, "I think Chattanooga is appropriately ranked here." <laughs> I wanted to send maybe Austin P needs to get a little bit of love, but I, I just went with the very simple Chattanooga. I love where they're ranked. They're appropriately ranked in this top ten. Nowhere to be seen after they dropped the game, Austin P. So, that was excellent. I'm glad. I've got one more, and I saved this one for the end because it transitions uh, very nicely into our audio portion of this segment. Bobby Raider at Bobby Raider 525, of course, is from WXSM AM640, the Sports Monsters, Morning Monster. He posted a picture of Andy's meager crowd on Saturday and says, wow, this loss is going to kill Andy's crowd support. And then he made this. So Vanderbilt paid $415,000 to have ETSU come into Nashville and beat them by 20? <laughs> Apparently everyone on their campus is not that smart. Go Bucks! Rydell throws one down the sideline. Back shoulder, perfectly thrown and caught. First down midfield. Bucks didn't bite and Colton Lakes read the play action and sack seals for about an 11-12 yard loss. Jay Harrison the transfer from Buffalo on the outside, flat and right for a big sack. I got one more for you, though. That was so good. One more. So, Big big Cat or whatever his name yeah. is. Uh, Cat, Wick, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to Randy Sanders and ETSU on a big in-state rivalry win tonight. Even if it was against an inferior opponent, those are always important wins. So, that being said, I've got two things to cover with you. Number one. Standing ovation for all these. I don't remember which national college football writer it was, whether it was Pat Forty or one of those type people, but one of them has predicted the October 2nd game of Vanderbilt and UConn could be the pillow fight of the century. Also, Vanderbilt uh, from the uh, before-mentioned SB Nation Anchor of Gold site. Vanderbilt opens as a one-point underdog at Colorado State, who, by the way, also lost to an FCS opponent, and Chris Oladokun of South Dakota State. Yes. The line in one hour moved to five. <laughs> I've not checked it. Uh, I may check it here in just a second, but uh, it opened one to five in an hour for that level of football game is impressive. That's hard to do. I think we covered a lot of it. And you're right. I mean, national-wise, like, there was a ton of media from all over. I saw it's, Ryan McGee from It's six and, and a half. Six and a half now, so another point and a half. Another point and a half. That is incredible. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Clay Travis from Fox, Ryan McGee from ESPN, the AP 
wrote an article about it. You mentioned you saw some national people as well. USAnet.com. Everything. It was everywhere. Um, and make sure, as we talked about earlier, you can check out all of the post-game audio, highlights, everything that you could possibly want on that game if you want to relive it. It will always be on the Buccaneer Sports Network's SoundCloud. I tweeted out the highlights. I tweeted out post-game quotes as well. Check out those at Buck Sports Radio. Uh, they're really, really good, as were these tweets and headlines. And for Bobby Rager, the audio portion, standing ovation for him because – that was uh, pretty gruesome, what he did to Vanderbilt there. Obviously, he's part of the uh, Vol Network, so Tennessee and Vanderbilt have their disagreements. I know it meant a little bit extra for Randy Sanders to beat Vanderbilt for what had to be. He said it was the 31st or 32nd time that he had faced Vanderbilt. There can't be many losses in there. Tennessee, Kentucky, and now here. I mean, there's obviously the one from two years ago here, but, I mean, the record's got to be like, what, 28 and 3? Seven and four. Am I giving Tennessee too much credit? Well, but yeah, who's in Kentucky for a little bit too? So I'm well, yeah, said Kentucky. You know, and, but yeah. Kentucky at that time was still better than Vanderbilt, weren't they? I mean, has there been any time that? That's been exactly. Better, so. I mean, it's amazing. That was such a fun segment. Uh, well done, Buccaneer football Twitter. Uh, well done from the media that chimed in, and well done from you for tracking down some extra stuff that I missed. I just want to throw one more. Oh, sure, sure. Vanderbilt crushed by FCS foe East Tennessee State and Clark Lee's debut in which they proclaimed that uh, the better team, this should not be a shock, but the better team dominated that one. Yeah. And then they followed up with Vanderbilt paid 415, and they got in a deeper dive. Uh, Vandy's football failure makes it difficult to see any hope for a future. Oh, my God. And then my personal favorite is Clark, is Clark Lee's lost ETSU worse than Derek Mason's Temple loss. I'm going to say uh, apparently uh, it, it is. I don't know. I don't know. We'll the, temple, right. the Temple loss came up on the door report when I was on with them, and I wasn't really sure what they were talking about because I hadn't paid a ton of attention to Vanderbilt football. But Temple, oh, yeah, the Temple. Because we were talking about Jared Folks and how he came over from Temple. He was on that team. And he got Davis. Yeah, right, sure, so sure. I was like, oh, wow, like I had no idea. But this has to be far worse than that for them. For us, again, you listen Thursday. Go back and listen to the show. There's plenty of us saying, honestly, guys, like, yes, do we expect the Bucks to win by 20? No, but are they going to be right in the game? Do they have a chance? Absolutely. All right, we got bold prediction recap after this timeout. Santa Sidekick on the back of the air sports network. All this is going to be is, yeah, no, all it's going to be is the, no, it's not even going to be a bumper. It's going to be this again. So Vanderbilt paid $415,000 to have ETSU come into Nashville and beat them by 20? <laughs> Apparently everyone on their campus is not that smart. Go Bucks! Rydell throws one down the sideline. Back shoulder perfectly thrown and caught. First down midfield. Bucks didn't bite and Colton Lakes read the play action and sack sealed for about an 11-12 yard loss. Jay Harrison, the transfer from Buffalo, on the outside, flat and right for a big sack. Shohei Otani has taken the MLB by storm this season. He's the first player in MLB history to be selected to the All-Star game as both a pitcher and a position player. The Brooklyn Nets are whole. They are done. If they were committed, if they put in that work, you'd be in the Eastern Conference right now. The Brooklyn Nets are whole watching the playoffs with the rest of us. JaVale McGee has been added to the Team USA roster. Yes, I'll say that again. JaVale McGee. Damari Monsanto announced he would not be returning to the Buccaneers. A six foot six, 225 pound, three star shooting guard was this year's Southern Conference Freshman of the Year. 
With Jay as my teammate, he stepped up with the 17 green to our left, the 18th tee, 45 yards away. Jay proceeds to hit from the 18th tee to the 17th green and into the 17th bucket. ETSU would win three games by two or more scores in SoCon play. <laughs> That's right. In SoCon play. I don't even get a credit for this count. one. Doesn't I don't count. even get a credit for that. Doesn't and then, of course, the, the two. I will take, if he gives me that game, oh, ETSU yeah. will get the command. Give me that all day. Happy to be wrong on both of Cowboy up and go play ball.